Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Praise the Lord, everyone. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Thank you for your kindness in welcoming my wife and I back home. We've been in North Carolina with uh, Sister Unz and in Tennessee with Sister Jones and ministered in those two congregations. And I, we've enjoyed ourselves. But to quote Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz, there's no place like home. Amen. We're glad to be home. I know you're standing in honor of God's word, so let's turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 12. And I'm going to skip 17 through 19, Sister Kylie. We just give me 23 through 25. John 12, 23. Jesus answered them, saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Everybody said glorified. glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. And I want to talk to you this morning for a few minutes on this subject, the gift that keeps on giving, the gift that keeps on giving. God bless you. You may be seated. Jesus has said it's time for the Son of Man to be glorified. And then he turns around and talks about death. Is it possible that before we can experience glory, we must first experience gory? Is it possible that before there can be life, there must first be death? Something must die so that other things can live. And so when I read this passage of scripture, and it stuck out to me. I I thought, when you brought up glorified, I thought we were gonna talk about singing and worship and praise and all those wonderful things, and then you go talking about dying. And I saw something significant in this 24th verse. I wanna read it again. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. It is possible that without dying, all you have is your own life. Because in the next portion he says, but if it dies, it'll bring forth much fruit. There's gotta be a death to some things in our lives, folks. Some things need dying. And I I have to report to you something that must be obvious to you if you've lived on the earth very long. You're not getting out of here alive. We can talk about the rapture, and I I still believe in the rapture. 
I believe Jesus is coming soon. I'm working on a message right now. I'll give you a little snippet of it. Ready or not, here I come. Jesus is coming, folks. Love is increasing, so is hate. You're going to get on one side of the fence or the other. It's going to be so obvious to you. There's no way you can mistake truth for lies. Light from darkness. Life from death. Matthew chapter 13. I need four volunteers this morning. Can I get four volunteers? I won't embarrass you. I won't ask you to say anything. Four people. Come on. First four that get up here. There we go. Four people. Thank you. All right, just turn and face the, just stay right where you are. That's good. Now you are going to see yourself in this message today. And I'm going to let you decide who you are in this message. I'm going to talk to you about the wayside first. Quincy gets to be the wayside today. Jesus talks about a grain of, of corn, a grain of wheat falling into the ground. And he said, here's what happens. Now I'll explain to you that the seed is the word of God. Everybody understand that? Seed is the word. The soil is your life. And the, and the planter is Jesus or you. All right? So he comes to the first and he tells his story. He says, well, he said, the first soil is wayside. You plant the seed in this, now don't take it personal, Quincy. You plant the seed in this type of a person and they roll their eyes. Oh, that God thing? I don't believe in the word of God. I don't believe in God. I don't believe any of that stuff. And it's like nothing even happened because the soil will not receive the seed. Nothing wrong with the seed. Nothing wrong with the one that's planting the seed. It's the soil, won't receive it, and that's called wayside. Then he talks about a second, and he calls this the stony. And this person receives it. And the Bible says, receives it with great joy, with great, oh, I'm so glad you told me about the word of God. I'm so glad for the spirit of God that I've received. Man, I am so thankful. And for a season, they're just a joyous person. But somewhere down the line, trouble comes. I didn't sign up for this. I thought that being a Christian meant everything goes my way. I'm just blessed all the time. Every day that I live, I am blessed. I thought that everybody in the church was perfect. I thought they were almost angelic. And somebody comes along and they get offended and they no longer walk with God. Let me stop right here and tell you what I think is happening even in America today. I think a lot of people have a walk with other people, but they don't have a walk with God. Amen. You can be in a church of thousands of people and you're all alone. But the only thing that matters to you is your entertainment and your blessings. And when things don't go your way or somebody sets you off, you're gone. Then there's this third soil. This is called 
the seed that is sown among the thorns. It says the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful. It doesn't produce anything. It does not say that it stops existing, but it just doesn't produce anything. We have been designed in every aspect of our life to be reproductive, whether it's physical or it is spiritual. We are meant to be reproductive. But the cares of this world, and there are so many distractions in the world today, so many things that can take away your time, and you might not even consider them sinful, but they're time eaters. Time eaters. And the cares of this world. And you know what? The other thing that chokes the word? I need to make a lot of money. I want to be wealthy. That's what being a successful person is, is having a lot of money and wanting everybody to be just like you. But this seed doesn't produce anything. But then there's the fourth soil. This is the good soil. And you know what it does? It reproduces itself. It takes the word, it grows, and then it shares with everybody and anybody. Now it might share with this seed, who rolls his eyes and says, I ain't interested, or this who goes on for a little while, or this one who just continues to exist, but not this one. No, this one reproduces itself a hundred, sixty, and thirty-fold. Thank you, the four of you. God bless you. Now, I, I, I told you the story because I believe that we have a duty and a debt that we owe. I want you to know that, and I say this publicly, I believe I owe God everything. I'm indebted to you. No, I'm not indebted to you. I owe you everything. I have nothing of myself. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Comes from above. Now on this parable of the sower here, I found something interested in, in looking up corn, for example. Last year's report from Iowa, the Iowa Corn Report said that 800 cor kernels of corn were on each ear of corn last year. That means that one kernel of corn became seed corn, meaning that it died, it was planted in the ground, and for every ear of corn, the average ear of corn on every stalk was 800. How's that for reproduction? Every kernel of corn that died and was planted reproduced to 800. We have been given a precious gift but before we could receive that gift, we had to die. Let me share this with you. In the book of Acts chapter 2, while Peter was preaching, there was a spirit of conviction that came upon the people for the sin that they had committed in crucifying the Lord of glory. 
And in verse 37, they interrupted the preacher. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said unto them, die. You must die. He used the word repent. Repent means to go exactly the opposite direction that you have previously been going. Turn 180 degrees and go the opposite way. It means die to yourself and to your will and to what you want out of life so that something greater than you can take the place of your death. Repent, and then he said, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. How about that for a gift? How about the remission of sins? Is that not a gift? Has anyone here earned salvation? Is anyone here good enough not to need salvation? And you shall receive another gift, the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to tell you, the greatest gift I've ever received was the gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift of Christ living inside of me. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. How about that for a gift? How much would you pay for peace, joy, or feeling that you weren't guilty of sin anymore? Righteousness. What a gift. And this gift that God gives us is not just for them and their generation because the next verse says, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to those that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The gift will continue to those who will die in repentance, who will be obedient to being baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of their sins, and those will receive the gift. It's not something we've earned. It's a big mistake I made when I first came into the church and I, I saw all you people and I was so different from any of you. I thought I could never be like them. Look at the way they worship and they seem to be so happy and get along and they love God so much. I, I'm so far from them, it's, I could never get there. And so I, I determined that I was gonna seek after the way, the truth, and the life. I found a way maker. I found a miracle worker. Jesus said, I'm the way. You wanna know the way? I don't know where to go, I don't know what to do. I don't know my right from my left, my going forward from going backward. Jesus said, I'm the way. He didn't say, I'm one of the ways. He said, I am the way. And you want to know the way? Go through the truth. You seek the way, you find the truth, you'll end up with eternal life. That's the way it works. The way, the truth, and the life. But everything changed when God filled me with his spirit. How about you? The things I once loved, I hated them. The things I once hated, I now loved. That's the drastic change that takes place when we receive this precious, precious gift, the gift of the Holy Ghost. And these gifts that we receive, 
They are meant to be shared. Meant to be shared. Let me read this to you about this gift of the Spirit. Galatians 5 and 22. But the fruit, we were talking about fruit earlier, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law, and they that are Christ's, here it is, have crucified, they've died to the affections and the lusts. From death comes life. God expects us to reproduce ourselves. You know, I, I, I told you that this third seed over here, the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, this is the one that scares me the most. I'm not afraid of this guy over here. This guy over here that rolls his eyes and says, I don't believe in God, take a hike, I'm not interested in talking to you. I don't worry about people like that. And I, and, and I can't keep people in the church. If they want to leave, they got offended or whatever. But this one over here really bothers me because I think a lot of us can fall into this. We become so blessed. Remember how I talked to you about when I first came into the church? We came into the church, we were in deep debt. Our marriage was in deep, deep trouble. And we learned to put God first. We put God first in our finances by, by giving our first fruits and by trying to be good stewards. We put God first in our time. We scheduled our life around church services and church activities. Everything changed for us. And things got so much better. And we were so blessed. But here's the danger. You can fall in love with your blessings and fall away from your blesser. Because you love the blessings so much. You know one of the reasons that God will never let me be a millionaire? Because if I became a millionaire, it might cause me to forget God. Oh, I don't need God anymore. I've got a million dollars. David said this, Lord, let me never become rich that I forget you, and let me never become poor that I would steal or beg. God's got you right where he wants you. But don't fall in love with your blessings instead of your blesser. Can I get an amen? Watch out for that. And don't get all caught up in what's happening in the political world or the economy or, or the world in general. Don't get caught up in that. That's the care of this world. Don't get caught up in that. Remember why God saved you and what God expects from the gift that he's given you. Let me give you an example. Jesus told a story. He said, to one man he gave 10 talents, gifts, abilities, to another five, and to another one. He came and, and said, what have you done with what I gave you? Give an account of the gifts that I've given you. And he said, well, Lord, I've gained 10 besides the 10 you gave me. Well done, you good and faithful servant. 
Enter into the joy of the Lord. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. He goes to the five and he says, five, what have you done? He said, I've gained five. Wow, that's great, he said. Well done, you good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Be thou ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. The same thing to the ten and the five. So they that compare themselves among themselves are not wise. You may not have as many talents as somebody else. That doesn't matter. What matters is what do you do? Come on now. What do you do with what you have? What do you do with the truth? What do you do with your gifts? Because he comes to the last man. And he said, sir, I gave you one. What have you done with the one? He said, well, I planted it in the earth. I know how shrewd you are. And I wanted to make sure I didn't lose it. So I didn't use it. I just hid it. And he said, come and take this talent from this man and give it to this man with ten over here and cast him out into outer darkness. I gave you something and I expected a return on what I gave you and I didn't get it. And he cast him out. I'm afraid for us, folks. God expects us to give an account of what he has given us. This is my opinion, so you don't like it, throw it away. I believe every one of us has at least one gift. One. I'll tell you what the one gift is. I think it's your testimony of what God has done for you. Every person in this room, I would venture to say right now, could stand up and talk for hours about the things that God has done for them. Financial, physical, healings, miracles, being used in gifts of the Spirit. We could just go on and on and on for for an indefinite period of time because God has been good to us. But I want to bring one thing to your consideration before I leave this alone. When you received the precious gift of the Holy Ghost, did you not receive a burden as well? Didn't that come with the package? Do you remember? Think back. Put, go back in your mind for, for as long as you have to, to where you first received the Spirit of God. What did you receive besides all those other wonderful things? You cared genuinely about other people. You couldn't wait to get to your parents and your relatives and your friends. You started telling everybody about how good God had been to you and what a difference the Spirit of God was now making in your life. You were born with a burden. You didn't even ask for it. It just came with the package. Jesus said he came to seek and to save that which is lost. That was his purpose. But in order to do that, he would have to die, be planted in the ground, and allow us to become the new kernels, the new cobs, the new seed that he would use. And he expected us to reproduce ourselves. Now, I'm going to take a chance here. I 
I've I've had this thought this morning and I've learned to go with it. Becky, please stand. I met this young lady many, many years ago. We drove school bus together. Probably a lot of you don't know that. We started driving school bus together and God gave me a burden for her and I would drop little seeds every once in a while and talk with her and encourage her. And, and then one night, I talked to my wife about this. I felt impressed to invite her to dinner. And so I went to, I went to Becky and I said, Becky, would you consider going out to dinner? And she thought I was hitting on her. I said, no, no, I, my wife and I would like you to come to our house for dinner. And she came. And look what the Lord has done with her life. To God be the glory. Thank you. Many, many years later, and and you know what? This lady's been through some tough stuff. She could have been offended. She could have said, God, you didn't do everything the way I wanted you to do it, when I wanted you to do it. But she hung in there. Many, many years later, when this building was going up, I had an opportunity to witness to people that were working on the building. One of the people I had an opportunity was this guy right here. He's installing the air conditioning units and heating and all that stuff. And I felt, well, man, maybe I'll get an opportunity to speak to him. And he had a need in his life. And we got to be friends. Pretty soon he came into the church and eventually they ended up getting married. Now he takes care of the heating and air conditioning, makes sure everything runs right. Reproduction. That's the way it's supposed to be. Here's my question. I'm not just talking about this room. I'm talking about anywhere and everywhere. Who have you helped bring to Jesus? Where is your fruit? I'm not talking about the fruit of the Spirit. I'm talking about the fruit of reproduction. Who's here? Because you took your gift. You exercised your burden. You opened your mouth. You invited somebody to dinner or a Bible study or or something that was going on that you felt would help to positively influence them so that you could show them the Jesus that was in you. Who are they? Where are they? Revelations chapter 2. Ephesus. Listen to the compliments Jesus gives. Revelations 2.2. I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. Boy, those are great compliments. And you can't bear them which are evil. I know how much you hate evil and you hate sin. I know that you have tried those that say they are apostles and are not. You found them to be liars. You haven't been tricked or deceived. I know how you have borne and had patience for my name's sake. You've labored and you have not fainted. And you're still here. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against you 
because you left your first love. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, chokes the word. Remember, therefore, from whence you are fallen, and go back and repent and do your first works. Else I'll come unto you quickly and remove your candlestick out of this place, except you repent. I'm taking inventory on Rick Kiley. I don't think there's ever a time that you're too old to make a difference in somebody else's life. I believe God wants me to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. I believe God wants me to have the burden that I once had. I remember, I'm just, I'm just having dreams of the past. I remember first coming into the church, sitting in Bible studies. It's only an hour. Yeah, right. It's only an hour for you, teacher, but I got a lot of questions. And I'm willing to stay here all night till I get them answered. And I looked forward to that. I remember sitting through one Bible study after another. I just couldn't get enough of the Word of God. I was glad to go to church three nights a week. I quit every ball team that I played on. I was playing ball three nights a week, so when we started going to church three nights a week, it was easy. Just quit. Saying, you're saying baseball's a sin? No, I'm not saying baseball's a sin, but if it's in the way of what God wants me to do, if I'm scheduling my life around something that prohibits me from being where I should be, then that's gotta go. So I quit. Sat in those Bible studies. And then the thought occurred to me, maybe I could teach a home Bible study. See, that's what my pastor taught me. He dragged me places until I got so tired of hearing him talk. Brother Tamil, you don't need to take me to the hospital with you again. I know how to do this. He said, well, good. Then you go and I'll stay. Well, it's the same way with Bible studies. I mean, if we're so smart, if we've been in the church, I've been in the church 40 years. Well, you ought to know something by now. What are you doing with it? So you know what I did? I went out and bought a home Bible study chart. Bought a teacher's manual. All those notes I took from those other Bible studies, I put it on a lesson sheet. I highlighted it with a yellow marker. I looked forward to going to a Bible study and teaching. Nothing greater than that. Where's my friends Daryl and Rhonda? There's Daryl and Rhonda. We have a Bible study with them predominantly on Thursday nights. I love teaching that Bible study. That is the highlight of my week. That's the way it's supposed to be, folks. Freely we have received. Freely we ought to give. What you know, you ought to show. You ought to help somebody grow with it. That's what's expected of us. That's our our duty. (laughs) Praise God. So, Brother Kylie, are you 
I, I am not beating the congregation up today. I'm calling you back to soul winning. To saying the most important thing I can do is reproduce myself. Is put myself in somebody else's shoes and eventually in somebody else's life. I want to close with this today. I want to tell you about a man named Oscar Schindler. Oscar Schindler was, I'm sure many of you have heard of Schindler's List. Oscar Schindler was born in Czechoslovakia. He was a very shrewd businessman. It was all about making money. He would lie, he would cheat, he was a womanizer, he was not a good man. Matter of fact, Oscar Schindler was also a member of the Nazi party. You might not have known that. Kind of reminds me of a man by the name of Moses. Do you remember Moses? Moses being raised by his mother, Jewish mother, and and the daughter of Pharaoh, two different influences in his life. Two different things are being taught to him. And one day, he has to make a decision. There's this Egyptian guard that's killing one of his own people, one of the Jews. And he looks around and he doesn't think there's anybody else around and he has to make a choice. So he kills the Egyptian. He buries him in the sand. He made a choice. Eventually that led to him fleeing Egypt. Well, Oscar Schindler, though a Czech by birth and a Nazi by party, sees the terrible things that the Germans are doing to the Jews, killing them, abusing them, beating them. And he can't handle it. It bothers him. So he decides that maybe he can use his business as a cover to save some of those Jews. Some he buys from the Nazi party. Others he promises that the wages that they make won't go to them but to the Nazi. Whatever he has to do, he'll do to save as many Jews as he can from the terrible acts of the Nazis. Then near the end of his opportunity where the war is over, there comes a time in his life where people sing his praises. And this morning I want to show you this very short clip from the end of Schindler's List because I think it relates to us as Christians. So if you'd show that clip, and Brother Messa, could you turn these altar lights off, please? I want them to be able to see the screen as best as possible. The closing scene from Schindler's List.
we've written a letter trying to explain things in case you were captured. Every worker has signed it. Please turn it up just a little bit, thank you. Because I put myself in Oscar Schindler's place. 
will this happen to me when I stand before God with my talents, my gifts? I want you to just close your eyes just for a minute because I I know that the audio was probably not very good and I want to be absolutely sure that you heard Oscar Schindler today. Quote, I could have got one more out. I wasted so much money. I didn't do enough. This car, 10 people. Why did I keep this car? This pin, two more people, one at least. This ring that I wear, two people. I could have got more out, and I didn't. Let's stand together. Oh, Oscar, 1,100 people signed your petition thanking you. You've, you're such a great humanitarian, such a legend. Do you know that Oscar Schindler was called the righteous Gentile by the Jews? And yet, when people bragged about him, all he could think about was, I could have got one more out. I didn't do enough. I wasted so much money. Jesus, Hear the prayer of a pastor today. A pastor concerned about the flock, what we've been called to do, all the gifts that we have been given. I pray for this congregation, Lord, that just as you warned Ephesus, Remind us not to leave our first love and to go back and do our first works. Don't let what happened to Oscar Schindler happen to us. We have nothing to brag about, but we have a lot of work to do. Help us to understand, Lord, that the reason that we're at the job that we're at is because that's where the one more is working. 
Help us to remember, Lord, that the neighborhood that we live in, that we'd like to move from and we just can't seem to work things out is because the one more lives not very far from our house. And help us, Lord, to stop thinking so much about ourselves, falling in love with and enjoying our blessings so much that we forget the one who blessed us with it so that we could share everything we've been given with people who have nothing. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.